What's going on, Bleacher Fan Faithful? We are back here this week for another episode of the Extra Point Podcast presented by Bleacher Fan Sports. Tommy Buns is taking the week off, so it's just me and Sully uh, riding with you this week. So, you know, we won't miss too much of a beat, but it's just going to be a dynamic duo this week. Um, Starting it off, we got NBA talk. Um, Toronto and... And Milwaukee, all of a sudden, nice tight series going on. You know, last time we talked, we didn't have uh, we didn't have too much of hope in, in Toronto's future. But um, you know, two games at home can change that real quick. But uh, as we prepare to head back to Milwaukee, uh, what are we thinking for the rest of this series? I'm not sure what to think now. Um, I was definitely someone that's been very bullish on the on uh, Milwaukee. I, I thought this would be a five game series. Especially once they went up to, uh, I figured they'd split one in um, in Toronto, which being game three possibly, and then come back, finish them in five. But, you know, they say it's not a series until the uh, home team wins a road game or you, you know, beat someone on their other court. So um, clearly I was, I was wrong with this series. I, I didn't, I didn't expect Toronto uh, and their role players to play as well as they they have been particularly, although I have liked their bench. I mean, you look, uh, you got Norman Powell with 18 last night, uh, Sergi Baca, or two nights ago, Sergi Baca, 17, Fred Van Vliet, 13. I mean, that's what they need to do to win. That's that's the formula. Um, Kawhi has been extraordinary. No one's going to question him. Marcus Gasol really picked it up after a horrendous game, too, where he took the blame. Um, Lowry's been exceptional also that's another guy that you figure always shits the bed um he played great in game one when they lost that's also what i i thought if if kyle lowry scored 36 in game one and you're gonna lose you have no chance in the series because kyle lowry isn't gonna duplicate that performance many more times if at all i feel like that was one of the rare occasions where they don't like go by the beat of his drum like they usually are are terrible when he's terrible and and that wasn't they played, the case. They you played know? great that game, and they 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 should they really played the better game. Three quarters of that game, they were the better team yeah. against Milwaukee in Game One. So, uh, you know, I mean, both teams could be looking at this saying we could be up three one. You know, Toronto could have stolen Game One, and Milwaukee could have stolen Game Three, where Giannis was. What did he have? Twelve points and twenty three rebounds, something some ridiculous stat line. Yeah. Um. Kawhi locked him up. They could have that went to double overtime. Um, I'm sure they both are like looking at it like that. What? I'm sure they both are looking at it like that. Yeah. I'm I mean, sure why they would are. you not? I mean, that's that's kind of the way. It, you 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 kind of forget like on the outside looking in sometimes like looking at these teams. You don't have anything to do with them like in terms of like being around them. But like there's like these teams like legitimately think in their locker room they're gonna win the title. Like we know that like we knew Philly or. You know, uh, the Nets weren't going to, like, win. They, were, they may, maybe make some noise, but they weren't going to win the title this year. We knew that. But they they believe it. They they actually think they're going to win the title. And it's just, it's, I'm not saying that that's bad or wrong, but, like, it's 
it's an angle as a fan I think we fail to realize a lot of times. Yeah, these teams have the talent too. I yeah. mean, obviously, you know, Golden State is uh, Golden State. You know, they're obviously gonna be heavy favorites regardless of who they face. I mean, also too with Golden State. I mean, we'll get to them a little later, but it's like. They might have Durant back. Are they worse with Durant? The ball movement might, isn't surely as nowhere near as good. Cousins might be back. If Cousins is playing, that might not be good for them. Integrating new players in a, you know, in their positionless basketball where everyone's shooting, everyone's getting a piece of the rock. There's a lot of different variables, uh, personnel-wise, um, for the Warriors right now. Who's going to be available? So, I mean, these teams have talent. I mean, you look at the Raptors. Siakam, Leonard, Gasol, Lowry, Green, uh, Norman Powell, Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet. They, they do have talent. This is the most uh, talented Toronto team ever. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, by far. I mean, especially when the bench is producing Kyle Lowry's playing like he's capable of. And then you go to Milwaukee. I mean, you know, they added Miritich. They added Brooke Lopez to stretch the floor, which is great against a team like Golden State, you know, uh, you know, mashing them against their own uh, type of stretch five with Draymond. You know, Bledsoe's been a bull. Middleton's been great. Brogdon back has been huge for them. Uh, Ilya Sov is another good pickup that I thought really hurt, hurt Philly's perimeter shooting. So they, George Hill, another guy. I mean, they, they have such a deep team, too. They were playing so, George Hill down the stretch last week. They didn't even have Bledsoe George, in the fourth George quarter. George Hill can play. I know. George Hill can play. People forget a lot of times in Cleveland you take a back role. You take a backseat to LeBron. You take a backseat, not just LeBron, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of people there who shot the ball, who needed the ball. Uh, Rodney Hood kind of fell to the wayside. George Hill, the missed free throw. Uh, George Hill has played in, I think, 90 something playoff games or 100 something playoff games with the Pacers. Pacers and the Spurs. He was. Yeah, a lot of people forget first, he he was traded and, for Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, and you know, and obviously with the Cavs, so he's he's an experienced vet. You know what you're going to get from him. So, I for those reasons, I I still like I still like the Bucks, but especially because they have the home court advantage. Yeah, I agree. I, if, I, if I had to guess, I would say Bucks in seven. I yeah, like that. Tommy I'm, said Tommy was Tommy said Bucks in six or seven. It looks like he's definitely going to be right with that pick. Um, I would be a little shocked if the Raptors won. Yeah, I do. I I think it's you know at the end of the day, I'm I'm a bigger fan of Milwaukee, and you know it's kind of the mo um, with with Toronto. Like it doesn't it doesn't seem to matter who they have on the floor. They they always kind of fail in the in this spot. Um, and you know maybe it's the Drake curse. And uh, touching on that, like what's the uh, how do you feel about Drake? There's people are talking about his antics and. And stuff, and there's a lot of coming out about game two. You know, Budenholzer said he he wasn't necessarily a fan of it. Um, I thought it was really funny what he said. Budenholzer or Drake? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think that's what he should be focusing on when you get when you get uh, killed by th- twenty. But I, I thought it was pretty funny. Like, fans shouldn't be on the floor, whatever Drake is. Just the way he said it, like, or whatever the hell Drake is, like. Yeah, no, I mean he. he I is, I mean Drake is such a little fanboy. Like he just. I mean, he's like in the sports world. He's a joke. Yeah, I mean, he's he knows, he's, he's he knows the cameras are on, and that's what he's and that's what he's doing. It's like part of it's he's 
continuing his brand. It's what all the people, all big name celebrities do. There's a camera around. They they do it. You know, Jamie Foxx. I always give Jamie Foxx shit for it too, because like no matter what, when he's in the room, he makes it about himself. He always makes yeah. a joke. He always puts himself into a situation. He's got his two cents to throw in. And it, you know, it, it's annoying at times, but it, it's what they do. It's what they're like. Yeah, I don't bred know. It doesn't do. really bother me that much. Drake, like, like rubbing his shoulders, though. I don't really know. That, 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 that I don't agree with. That's where I draw the line. I think like you're touching the coach. That was a yeah. little weird. It's do like, your, Drake, do what your, are you doing? do your, your antics, all your There's trash talk. Like, get your demons off of me. Yeah, whatever you want. want. I think I don't want those hands on me. Yeah, once you're making contact with like players and coaches, like I don't need it. You know. Yeah. Those those Rihanna less hands. Yes. Uh, yeah. Certainly not been on Rihanna. No, unfortunately for him, no. Um, but I mean, the, yeah, the, you know, the antidote to that is, you know, you kick their ass. Drake's gonna be sitting down like he does against when he plays LeBron. I'd like to see Drake do what what's, what uh, Spike Lee did back in the day: go into Milwaukee, go into Golden State if you get there, and and try and pull those antics there. Because Spike Lee. Went to Indiana when everyone was calling him out in the 90s against the Knicks. He went to a playoff game in Indiana and was the same old Spike Lee. And he got torn apart in Indiana, but John Starks had the game of the life and they won the series. Um, But I want to see Drake do that because Drake's not exactly, doesn't have the reputation to be the toughest guy in the world. Um, Yeah, I don't don't think he will. So I would would like to see Drake, you know, run his mouth on, on... over behind enemy lines and see how that works out. It won't work out for him. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on. Speaking of the Warriors, we mentioned before, um, they could have nine days off, or they will have nine days off. And it's just a matter of how much Toronto or um, Milwaukee has off. But is that, for the way they've been playing, is that is that too many days off? Or is that good because they can get KD back sooner in terms of how many games he misses in the finals. Well, because they've been playing so well, and there is something to that kind of taking a break off the momentum. definitely too much. Um, Four, five, six days, get KD back and healthy. He should be back for game one, right? They they, they haven't said. Kerr said, I think yesterday, he fully expects KD to play in the finals. He didn't say when. To my knowledge, well, and then that goes to: Do you want Kevin Durant playing or not in the finals? And uh, it's a pretty hard question to answer. I mean, the third—I think thirty and one in their last thirty-one games without him. Um, yeah, I mean, guys like Kevon Looney, Alfonso McKinney, uh, Jarebko, these guys get extra minutes. Iguodala didn't play. McKinney played great. Twelve points. Looney twelve points. I mean, they're just they're just bought into the system. I got to give Kerr a lot of credit. Um, I have question because he's had such incredible personnel, but uh, he's really showing his his basketball genius here and the system he's embedded in um, and the culture that like like Draymond Green. I loved how he was picking Jordan uh, Bell up after he missed the dunk, and he was like, "I missed the dunk, he missed the dunk, we all missed shots." He's like, "It's fine." It's like like he really took a big leadership role. You remember that play? And he's just like, "Yeah, it's." It's fine, dude. He's like on to the next play. Like, it's just the leaders they have with Draymond and, and Steph, who doesn't get enough credit as a leader for sure. Um, the way he takes a back seat, knows when to shoot, knows when to take over when Durant's out. I can't say it. It def. I don't think it helps them. And you see that you know they lost two games to the Clippers, the Clippers, without with Durant. So 
And then the con- the question begs, D- DeMarcus Cousins, he might play. I think yeah. DeMarcus Cousins playing hurts them more than Kevin Durant playing. I agree. I mean, I think I, I was never a huge, like, guy in the boogie signing and when that happened everyone acted like they just signed like another Kevin Durant and I'm like no they signed a guy who's you know hasn't had the best team chemistry hasn't exactly translated to winning and is coming off pretty much the worst injury you can get in basketball on a seven foot body 280 pound body or however he's a fucking truck he's healthy and his conditioning is up that's a different that's different but he might not be healthy and his conditioning will not be there so kurt realistically can't play him more than three to four minute stints at most he's gonna be a spot-up shooter him what i saw from him was a lot of tired legs and a lot of tiring fouls a lot of a lot of fouls where he just can't get to the spot and he's just forced to foul the, the opposing player um oh his lateral quickness was shot even when he was like yeah, getting back into the swing of it he wasn't there at all he couldn't he couldn't he couldn't defend so i don't i, I and, and i look at it this way you know however many also's you have five they where they had five with him who, who do you want taking the shots you want demarcus cousins shooting 42 percent or do you want curry clay thompson kevin durant you want those guys shooting obviously yeah, you don't want Draymond Green shooting. Obviously, I mean he's he, he's another guy you don't want shooting. The more shots for Draymond, you know, the less shots for Curry, Clay, and Durant. You want those three guys to get the shots when they're all on the court. You don't want DeMarcus Cousins taking thirty foot three pointers. That's not a high percentage shot. You, you'll live with that if you're the Bucks or Raptors. You say, all right, take that shot. Yeah. So and DeMarcus Cousins getting out on the perimeter to cover Brook Lopez. I, a lot of slow feet there. He's not going to be getting there. A lot. There's going to be a lot of open threes for Lopez or Gasol even for Toronto if they make it because he can. He can hit the three. Who do you think's a better matchup for Toronto or for for the Warriors, Toronto or or Milwaukee? And does that answer change depending on the if KD or uh, Demarcus Cousins play? Who is the Who's the easier matchup? Who who do you who do you think has a better chance to beat the Warriors? And does oh the an- Bucks? Does that answer change if both of those guys play? No, it doesn't because they both have an elite defender. You put Giannis on you put you put if for the Bucks you put Giannis on Durant, you put Bledsoe on Curry, and you put Brogdon on clay so they match up very well not that they're not gonna get theirs but those are very good defenders you have middleton can defend as well um so defensively they're they're pretty covered as as well as you can um durant's never really had to like lead with uh had had to deal with that length and athleticism of Giannis. um not that he'll be he'll be he'll be more neutralized than he won't be getting 45 a game so and then they have a bunch of three-point shooters they have brogdon shot 40 percent from three you got lopez shooting for three Giannis can make one even. Middleton can make it. Ilyasova can make it. George Hill can make it. They have so many three and D players across. That's why I'm so high on the Milwaukee's. They have their whole team is three and D. That's the NBA today. That's what that's what the Warriors are. Draymond when he can make a three. Durant, uh, you know, Clay. Not as much Curry, but Iguodala three and D. That's what their team is about. Toronto for me, it's like Kyle Lowry against Curry. No, that's that's bad. I mean, you put Kawhi on Durant, that takes care of that. But and and Danny Green actually isn't a bad matchup on Clay. Um, but Gasol against Draymond? Oh no, Draymond will kill him off the beat, off the you know 
in, in transition. Gasol can't can't move that well. Um, I think defensively, uh, point guard and center gives them more. And and with, and with Cousins, maybe with Cousins it's a little better for Gasol probably. But Cousins, I don't think will play many minutes regardless. I think it'll be eight to ten minutes. But I, I think the Bucks are the team that uh, that would give them the best. I think they're really hoping for the Raptors. Yeah. I mean, think about that that those three matchups uh with if the Bucks do make the series. You have I mean, you have KD going up against Giannis. Those are that's arguably the two best basketball players on the planet. Both good defenders, both superior offensive players. Pro- Giannis probably going to win the MVP this year, so they got two MVPs. Um that's a matchup like that's a that's a matchup where like stories are made. Um, and then, yeah. and then you got Curry and Bledsoe. Bledsoe is an extremely underrated uh, defender, and he's a bully. So I, I I love watching Curry go up against those type of players. I think it makes the best the best matchup for a player like Curry, or the most interesting. And then even Middleton and and Clay, um, kind of you know the the thought of as the second tier guys on their teams, but can absolutely carry a team on on any given night, um, especially when their their top players aren't there. So I think it's a really interesting three matchup with both of those top three players on each of those teams. It is. I just I just with, with Toronto. I just don't know if they'll they'll have the. I don't know if they'll who who, who may step up because I don't like a guy like Siakam hasn't looked great in the series. I don't like him against the likes of whether it's Iguodala, Green, whoever. Who's, Durant, I, I I don't like that. I don't I don't see the supporting cast on Toronto doing the damage. Uh, maybe Lowry can have a couple games, but if Toronto loses this series and Kawhi walks, do you tear it all down? You trade Lowry, you trade Gasol, you do you build around you get whatever you can, young talent well, or picks, and build around Siakam. It it depends. It depends. I mean, I definitely trade Gasol because he's older. Um, I mean, uh, would they have cap room if he left? Mm, I don't think so. But at the same time, like, who comes to Toronto on cap room? Who was the last guy they signed on cap room that was not on the team the year before? Like, yeah, they I, traded yeah. for Lowry and then re-signed him. I they mean, didn't... I mean, you definitely got to consider if the package is good enough. I mean, get. Yeah, I would. I would definitely consider getting young with either. Lowry hasn't been the issue though. But if you can get something for him, he just has a big contract. If you can get something for him, get something for Gasol. Yeah, I mean, I would. I would build around. I mean, then you could. Then you could put Van Vliet into your starting lineup. I'd build around Van Vliet, Powell, um, you know, Siakam, and then and then whoever whoever the young guys are that they get. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, would it's would the Lakers be interested in, in trading with them? Possibly. I mean, the, for either Gasol or Lowry. The Lakers are the Lakers are looking down, you know, the sights of a double barrel shotgun right now. They yeah. they yeah. are they are there's a possibility they come out of this season this off season with it, the same team. You know, yeah. they give they give someone they do the JJ Redick movie. They give some like pretty decent player like 25 million for one year to yeah, just like Contavious Caldwell Pope like yeah to, to just fill the cap space and reset next year when AD is a free agent I just I don't know I think the 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 Lakers I they're the biggest mess in the NBA right now 
Like, and I don't yeah. know how having LeBron on your team, like they're they're just it's so clear that they're so dysfunctional. LeBron's been so quiet too. Yeah, well, he's got he's you know basketball's third or fourth on his list right now. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's uh, it's interesting. This is going to be, in my opinion, this is going to be the craziest off season in NBA history. Um, some will argue 2010, but I think there's there's more depth of talent this year. Um, yeah, of, there's like there's like eight stars. Yeah, and a lot of those guys in 2010 that weren't like it was really like the O3 draft. It was those guys minus Mello, um, and that this year there's just more de- like guys like Ray, uh, Ray Allen and Allen Iverson were free agents back then. Like yeah, names, but like they were guys, old. Those guys were at the end of their careers. Like it wasn't. Yeah, Clay Thompson's in his prime. Uh, Kawhi's in his prime. I Jimmy mean, you could argue there's six or seven number one talents available this this yeah. offseason that could be the best player on a, on a great team. Yeah, maybe not a championship team, but a great team. Mm-hmm. So it's it's me a hell of an offseason, and you know I pray every day for my my Knicks. Um, but moving on from that, kind of segueing a little bit into. A uh, topic the Knicks are have been reported to be involved in is is Anthony Davis. He was the the winning of the lottery has not changed his mind about wanting out of New Orleans. Um, I guess that's smart from a financial point of view for him. Um, and it seems now and for the past few months, there's really only three teams that can even have have all the workings to get a deal done because one, you've got to be a place that Davis will consider re-signing. Because he's not signing an extension, even if he's traded where he wants to be traded, because he can make more if he doesn't sign an extension and waits. And two, a team that has enough assets and cap space to pull off a move like that. Um, So those three teams are the Lakers, the Knicks, and the Celtics. And those really seem like the only three places that Davis would consider going. I know he said he would never play for—his dad said he'd never play for Boston— um, but as much as I don't like Boston, Boston is a place where people go and they, they fall in love with it. They fall in love with playing there. Um, not everybody, but it has happened. We've seen players. Yeah, Kyrie didn't. Yeah. We've or Kyrie se- did fall in love for a little a bit. season. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, it's in fact, you know, it's, it's like New York. It's, and Philly. It's a very love, hate. They can, they'll, when they love you, it's the greatest place on earth. But when they hate you, it's the worst place on earth. Um, yeah. So, I don't know, I guess, where do you think is the most likely out of those three that, that Davis ends up? I guess we could kind of walk talk through each each possible option, but I think they all have the, they certainly all have the assets to get it done. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's going to start with the Lakers. Um, their owner said that over his dead body, he'll trade with them. That's, that definitely doesn't make it easy, um, but... It, it, I think it comes down to how much power David Griffin has. Um, does he have the full reins? If he if he really is allowed to, you know, get the best deal possible, it it might be and and from the most willing partner in giving up assets, it, it might be the Lakers willing to clean house minus LeBron. Um, you know, take and anyone he, you want, take the picks. And he reportedly loves the idea of Lonzo, Kuzma, Ingram, Zion. Uh, yeah, and Drew Holiday. You? Exactly, yeah. And you got Drew Holiday. I mean, look at that. Think about that defensive backcourt. Lonzo and Drew Holiday. And it's not like they're both tall guards. Lonzo's 6'6". 
He's not some yeah, six one I shooting mean, guard or point guard. He can play shooting guard. He can play. Yeah. They can play on off the ball. I mean, that's a great w- way to to rebuild. I mean, um, you're getting a bunch. I mean, some of these players haven't hit, been knockouts, but I mean, I'm sure having someone like Zion would help you too. I mean, you know, he's a young ascending star. He's a willing passer. Um, you know, and they'll probably have a chip on their shoulder from being traded away. Um, is that too much if you include those three guys and the fourth pick? Do you think that's too much, or do you think that this kind of will be... I think that would be too much. If I, I, was only, I mean, you're there in a desperate situation, but on face value, I think it's too much. But to me, at, at the deadline, they were bidding against themselves. No one else was in it. The Knicks didn't have the assets at the time, and Boston was trapped by the, the Rose Rule on Kyrie's contract. So what... At the, t- at the deadline, the Lakers were against themselves, and they offered that deal plus another dr- – that wasn't the fourth pick, but yeah, they so offered two first-round picks. Yeah, you're saying just the fourth pick? Yeah. Eh, that's true because there, co- there are a lot of other picks in that. Maybe, maybe not. Because that's all I'm saying because now it's not – Now, now, now it's, it's not, not like three first-rounders. It's just the one. Yeah, you're not competing against what the Pelicans want. You're competing against what other teams are offering. So I think it might change the game a little bit because the Knicks can offer – Multiple first-round picks. They could probably offer three first-round picks if you're included this they? year. But will they? Exactly. That's yeah, that's the that's, deal. That's that's the thing. And they could they could probably get get rid of give a really good package. The, um, the Knicks probably have the most attractive set of draft picks. They have seven first-round picks over the next five years. They got three this year. The the number three this year, not three of them. Number three this year and two of the, those two picks from Dallas. The 2021 one, which is unprotected. That's incredible value. We don't know what Dallas is going to be in three or four years. Um, or Well, that's, I guess, two, three offseason, three drafts from now. Um, and then the 2023 pick. And you got to figure the Knicks, at least over the next two or three years, their picks aren't going to be as valuable because they'll presumably be signing uh, some talent this, this offseason. So you're looking at, at very least, a playoff team for the Knicks next year. So... You know, picks that are going to be in the teens or late twenties. So um, I don't know. I think that the Knicks have, but the Knicks have the possibility to. There are ways they can they can sign both Kevin Durant and Kyrie and trade for Anthony Davis. It's it's fiscally possible, especially if he fails. That's the other thing. He is a fifteen percent trade kicker. So it's the difference between teams having to send back twenty one point. 21 million and change compared to 20 uh, just short of 26 million 25 million and change and that's that's a big i mean that's a that's a top 10 pick salary so that's there's a lot of teams yeah. with a lot of players that match that um yeah I, I don't know how aggressive they will be though that's the one question yeah i agree i i don't think i think a lot of a lot of people are tra- playing that kind of that big 3 card like yeah. that's what they're going for I don't really buy it. I think I think AD is more of a backup plan. They talk way too highly of their rookies. They talk way too highly about the development, the continued development of guys like Mitch and and Frank and Knox and Trier and Dotson. They they it's too much. Like we saw with Rosen and other teams, who guys you know probably are going to get traded or aren't going to be around. They're not in. No one's talking about them. They're not in media photos. They're not around the team. They're not, you know, hanging with the coach. And that's just not what's happening with the Knicks young guys. And it, I just don't have the feeling. that I, I have the feeling AD is a backup plan. One, either if they don't sign anyone 
Uh, if they don't sign two guys in, in free agency, Kyrie and Kyrie don't come. Um, and Or next next summer, because the Knicks have already said if they don't get two out of KD, Kawhi, and Kyrie, they're not they're doing the the bullshit one year contracts like uh, yeah they're not they're, they're not, not spent they're not giving Jimmy a max they're not, not giving Dang and, they're not giving Tobias a max they're not giving fucking they're not doing the Zeng and Mozgov plan. yeah exactly they're gonna give one year deals out until the cap is spent and they're gonna reset and go after AD hard next year and that's and I'm I'm fine with that plan I don't we don't need Tobias for five years on a max or four years on a max. We don't. That's what yeah. we've done. We don't need Middleton on four years on a max. Yeah, well, that'll make you an eight seed. Yeah, exactly. And for five years, and that's what. And then we reset. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I think all I think there's a legitimate chance that all three of those teams could make it. But I just don't get it from Boston's perspective. Like, you're gonna have to give up at least Tatum and picks. Brown. Probably Tatum and Brown and picks. Because Tatum and Picks is not better than what either of the Knicks or Lakers can I, or will offer. They could either be. They could look at it from one of two ways. They could. They're probably already assuming Kyrie's gone, so they could be saying, "Hey, he hurt Tatum's development. He's only what is he? Twenty-one. He's still young. He still has a bright future, even though he had a down year. We're gonna stick with him." Or they could be saying, "We don't like how he meshed with him. He had a really down year. Maybe he won't be the player we think he is, being a." you know a star to superstar type player maybe he's just a really maybe he'll just be like a really good player and nothing not an all-star caliber player and maybe they try and trade him and same thing with Jalen Brown and maybe they just you know throw their chips all all in kind of like they did with uh for Kyrie but um uh, part of me thinks that I don't think they would make a trade until the season started at least until how they saw Tatum play without um Kyrie on the team so I think I think they'd be more likely to go with the first, being that they just want to see the young team kind of as they are without Kyrie, probably without Rozier, you know, and see if that chemistry is back, um, and then and you know, and then maybe assess if they want to make a trade for AD or not. Yeah, I mean, if they if also if they could get um, Horford to restructure. Like if they Horford's got one year, yeah, he's making like thirty million. Yeah, something like something like thirty, thirty-two million or something next year. And but if they can get him to maybe restructure into, hey, we don't want, we're not giving you, we're not giving you thirty million next year. Um, thirty point one million he makes. He's set to make next year. Uh, we're gonna give you a three-year extension for forty-five million. So now you you get three more years in Boston, but. Your only your one year turns into three years, but you and you're still getting fifteen million dollars more than you would have. Yes, you're getting seven half million for each of the last two years, and what is he thirty two or thirty three? Yeah, he's older. He's 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 aging. Um, he likes it there. Yeah, it would it would make sense. It definitely would a little bit favor you know Boston, but if he's a team guy, and I think he always has been a team guy, then I'm saying know, no. This he, this off season, he declines his option, then they sign him to a three year. Forty-five million dollar deal, so he gets fifteen million. Cuts his salary in half, but it doubles it over time, or increases it by a third over time. Because then that opens up fifteen million cap space for them to make some moves. Because right now, even even if they lose Kyrie, they are set to be twelve. So that that move puts them just under the salary cap. Though if they did that that uh, that Horford move, Kyrie 
Uh, or no, sorry. With Kyrie out, they'll be under the cap by six or seven million. If that Horford move goes, all of a sudden they have twenty million. That's that's a big difference. And if they let Baines go, that's twenty five million. So all of a sudden, the Celtics can kind of creep their way into a spot where they can absorb AD's contract. Um, twenty five million is what they need. So you take and then you take Tatum off of that. If, I'm assuming you send Tatum and Brown. That's another thirteen million, fourteen million. Um, and you know, even trading a guy like Marcus Smart, and you're at all of a sudden you're at max salary cap spot again with AD in house, Gordon Hayward in house, Horford signed to a, a longer term deal, and an- sign another free agent. All of a sudden, that's not so bad of a team on a quick turnaround. You're a little older, but it's not a bad team. No, it's it's possibly really good. Um. Yeah, that would that would make sense for both of them with Horford. If Horford make fifteen extra million. Um, I mean his 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 uh, you know his, you know, uh, we want to call star playing days are over. But it's just always annoying me when like I'm watching ESPN or whatever, and they're like, oh yes, where Al Horford shows his worth. People complain about whatever. I mean, yeah, he does a lot of things, but he's not worth thirty million. Yeah, I, get, I, get I agree. He defends. I get he passes for a big man. I get that, but he, you know, he won you one game against Giannis. Like, let's give him thirty million. Like, this is where he shows his worth at at fourteen, fifteen million, not thirty yeah. million. <laughs> I yeah, I, I never got that too. Like, it's like yeah, yeah. I understand all he does, even off the court stuff. Like, I understand he's a leader in the locker room. I understand like he's a guy that everyone looks up to in the locker room. He's respected, but like, not worth thirty million. I'm sure a lot of people respect fucking Brad Stevens. You're not paying him thirty million. <laughs> I just never, I never got that. Um, I think people value intangibles way too much. It's a good, it's a good thing to have, but it's not. Yeah, in, in contracts. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, that's 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 some good NBA talk we got in. Um, let's switch over a little bit to the NFL um, now that OTAs have began. Um, and now we have the three guy, probably the three biggest names that changed teams this offseason in OBJ, Le'Veon, and Antonio Brown. All three are no-shows at OTAs. How do you feel about that, given there's got these guys' situations, given all three of their questionable uh, pasts with antics, um... I think OBJ is a little less than that. I don't want to say divas necessarily, but we know what we're saying. Um, given those guys' new situations and how they've acted in the past, do you have an issue with them not being at optional team activities? Well, first of all, I just look at these three guys. Le'Veon Bell sat out a whole season, you know, for money, which he essentially lost out on a year's worth of salary, and he's getting very similar amount of guaranteed money. Um you know, was making rap albums, was in Miami on jet skis, was importantly coming back, wasn't coming back. We have him. We have Antonio Brown, who missed the last game for we don't know how, you know, just said he was fine, you know, didn't come to, didn't come all week, uh, you know, has been, you know, the biggest diva with all these tweets back with Juju, back with Ben, and has just been in the news ever since the season has ended. Then we have OBJ, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the net kicker, kisser, you know, you know, you know, peeing on, you know, 
We have the boat incident with, you know, with Smoke in the joint the nine days before. He, he, you know, he his character is definitely the least questioned of the three. But we're not shocked. It's these three guys that are the ones that are holding out. I mean, OBJ, yeah, he, he certainly, he's definitely, I think, a bit of a diva. But his character, I don't think he's a bad guy at all. I think people look at him as a great guy. Um, he's just done some unnecessary things on the field pretty much. But all these three guys, it's just like, why? it doesn't shock me at all that they're not here. Um, and I, I think the thing is, all three of them are in new situations. So it's definitely important to get to know your teammates, get to know the playbook. Um, yeah, sure, you can study the playbook, but there's nothing like executing it on the field. Uh, I think it's definitely a cause for concern. Uh, you know, we're in May. Any news is bad news at this point. Um you, you don't want to be making the headlines in May. You know, you, you see it with Tyreek Hill. You see it with uh, Brown. You see it with Bell. It's just uh, OBJ. It's Baker with Colin Cow. You just don't want to be in the news. It's May. I mean, uh, like True. with this whole Brown team, the Colin Coward thing. It's like they're literally stirring up what he's, what Colin's been alluding to for years. Like saying they're mature, saying they don't, you know, they have the talent, but they're just not, they're not, you know, they're not. No they winning don't have culture. Football character. They no don't have. The, they don't have the. They don't have the skin to just like let things go and respond to everything. So I, I think it's, I think it's, it's probably the least issue. I, I'm just saying, some a Jets fan, probably for Le'Veon, uh, and we've been in the news for other shit too. But for Le'Veon being a running back, I don't think you have to be on the same page as a quarterback wide receiver duo, uh, or tandem. I think the you know the running back definitely has 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 you know it has duties. But Le'Veon's a been a fantastic pass protector throughout his career though, so I'm not worried about that. Um, but really, just chemistry receiver quarterback combination. I feel like that's something that takes time, no matter the talent. You know where you like the ball in certain areas. You know your back shoulder here. Um, you know you know when you when you you know plant your foot for the slant. You know when you do the when you give the fake. All those things. Tons of things. Uh, I think this is when you start to work on them, and hopefully by September, October is when you start clicking. Um, so I, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's something. It's just if you're a teammate, these guys should be leaders in the locker room. Yeah, and they're not right now. It's true. Um, yeah, I think with with Bell, my only concern is I agree with you. You know, the running back is different. Just uh, he's got to be in shape. You got to prove to me that you're in shape, man. Uh, you, I don't care what you said you've been doing, what you've been doing. We saw some pictures from Miami. You didn't look in shape, and at, a year out, it's just you got to get hit. You know what I mean? Like you got to you got to show us that you're there. And I know they're they're optional and whatever, but it's just you know it's these this year specifically for these three guys. I just feel like it's it's a move of like good faith. You know, it's just. Just do it, you know. Just be there. Uh, it, it just—I agree, totally agree with the wide receiver thing. I think it's even more pressing for those guys, um, and especially Antonio, who's like you know talked so ill, such ill will about everything. He's been—he's been the biggest problem of any of the of the three. Um, By far, yes, and and he's the most delusional about his problems with any of the three. And I'm not even saying I side with Banner. Everything that Antonio Brown has said is false, but false or not, he's been a problem. If you don't agree with that, you you delusional. Um, so I, I don't know. I just it, it's it's something that they just should be there for this year. Um, 
not saying every year. I was fine. Uh, OBJ didn't come every year for the Giants, um, and I was fine with that, and it never affected his play on the field. Um, but it's just this this specific offseason, I think all three of them should be there for that reason because they're the new teams, because of their histories, and because of the years they're coming off last year. Yeah, I mean, I just don't really get there's a stigma about you. There's a whether stereotype stigma, whatever you want to call it, about you. And you're kind of just proving the naysayers right by not showing up. Like you said, no one wants to be there, obviously. No one wants to get hit. But, I mean, you know, it's like any, you know, high school sports here. It's like you have practice or whatever. It's like, it's like you're really not going to show up to practice? Like, obviously, you got to go to practice. Yeah. It's just one of the things you got to do. Like, 7 a.m., 8 a.m., all right, we're going to do this. We're all doing it. Like, it sucks, but we'll do it together. That's what part, that's what that's what creates the bond you know in fucking 80 degree weather and you're you know getting kicked, your ass kicked in two days that's what creates the bond with within a team is you're in it together in the trenches um and they show up in an area who's this guy who's this diva who's this guy you know he's got old you know crazy hair you know depending on the person the mustache color like what is it what is he doing he's yeah. and then, he's making you know the whole gazillion dollars. The he whole, thinks he runs the place. Well, that's always been his mo. But uh, the the whole like, oh, they're working out themselves. They're doing their own work. Like it's not y- the you, same. You've been working out all off season. You're a professional athlete. You don't take six months off during the off yeah, season. You're with, working with out. Le'Veon, with Le'Veon, it's like you would think you'd be itching to get back to football. You had you had sixteen months off. Yeah, you went on a fucking paternity and, leave no, for more six than that. kids from last from last what from last January. Yeah, February, January. So yeah. you've had you've had a solid seventeen months. It's unreal. I, I mean, uh, I I think he'll be really good, but I mean, he hasn't. He, <laughs> you haven't been hit in seventeen months. Like and injuries not, are concerned. Yeah, and you're not necessarily going to get hit. Like here but you know it, it's it's just being on the field being around your team has he met he hasn't even met his teammates he's been a jet for like three months yeah he he's met some of them i think he has met some of them i mean obviously he's he's met some but like you know just i i feel like just being in that setting it's it's different um all right well that's that's all the nfl we're dealing with. we get get too heated on that um a little bit of college basketball news is uh Jawan Howard hired as the head coach of the University of Michigan after Beeline suddenly up and left that no one saw coming to Cleveland, um, which probably wasn't the best career move for him. But um, Jawan Howard's now in Michigan. The Fab Five is back. Uh, Jalen Rose is talking about it, how they've all kind of come together. They've they've had their fair share. That crew has had their fair share of uh, differences over the years since they graduated from Michigan. Um but it seems this has brought them all back together. Is this kind of the new trend in college basketball where we're seeing somewhat accomplished in the, the coaching realm uh, alumni come back and, and head, the, head up these programs with recruiting being so so valuable to schools? And we, we saw Penny Hardaway in his first year on the job pull in the number one recruiting class in the nation from Memphis Memphis yeah. is a nice school, but it is not Michigan in terms of basketball. They haven't been anything since D Rose. I mean, this is like this is like Michael Jordan coming back to coach uh, UNC. You know, yeah. it's oh yeah, he you know Jawan Howard is you know he's a celebrity in Michigan. 
I love the move. I'm so happy for him, for Michigan, for the Fab Five. Um, I'm a Heat fan. I, you know, I'm a Heat fan. Uh, losing a very good assistant, Jawan, but that's where he should be. You know, he used it as, you know, he used it as a stepping stool or gain experience. He's, I didn't know if he's going to take the Laker job. You know, didn't work out for him. But this is a much better spot. Um, not as much pressure for sure. They're inheriting a very good team, also. Um, I think there were two two seed this year, three seed last year. They made it to national championship game two years ago. Um, this year, who they lose to? They got knocked out by Texas Tech. Muted. Oh yes, yes, Texas, Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Yeah, they got they didn't have a good showing there, but they're they're a, they're an elite team. They're you know they're like a blue. They're turning into like a blue blood uh, again. Um, really happy for them and it's going to unite the Fab Five and it makes them that much more marketable when those five guys are um, involved in the program in some capacity. Jalen always has, but even more so now. Um, it just makes them so much more attractive. You know, really brings bring the vibe from from back in the day. Um, and I just think it will really help their recruiting process when it, when you have it when you have alumni supporting. Um, you know. You know, they're all in matter and, and all in on, you know, the university. It, it really makes you much more marketable and attracted, attractive that they care so much and did something special and want to bring something else, um, you know, the next Fab Five or whatever, uh, and, you know, eventually win a title. So I think I think it's just, you know, so many numerous things are going to come for this, exceptional things that are come for this from Michigan standpoint, I wouldn't be shocked if they won a title in the next few years. Um, yeah, I it's mean, really good for them. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what what Penny does with at Memphis with this this recruiting class. Um, but I mean, yeah, Juwan Howard is and he's not. You said he's not inheriting a bad team. Um, he's inheriting a program with surely plenty of money and support um, to to run things his way and and pull people in. I think I think the uh, the other four guys are really going to rally around. Uh, Juwan and 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 be there to kind of support and and uh, add in a certain uh, bargaining chip in the recruiting game. You know, maybe he brings along Jalen Rose one yeah, time. Yeah, that's, maybe, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Know. You bring you bring Jalen Rose. He, I mean, he's got the most. He's got the most pull. People look up onto him on you know ESPN. You know, all the time. Whether he's on First Take, whether he's on you know what's the other show? Jalen and Jacoby. Jalen and Jalen Jacoby. One of and, my favorites. And in the get up. One. Get up. And get up. I mean, he's he's all over. He's like, he's like one of my favorite guys at ESPN. He's he might he's be the most successful. He's, he might be the most successful athlete to ESPN transition yeah, ever. Yeah, he's down to earth. He's laid back. He's chill. He's got Molly Quarum, who's a smoke show. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Jalen Rose life pretty good right now. Yeah, he. I mean, he does it all. You, you're sitting and he earns it. Show. He earns it. He deserves Dewan it. Dewan Howard, someone who you know you don't really know as much as unless you're really a student of the game. You know, like, from my point of view, I know him as a very loyal guy from, not only from Michigan, he came to that, he, or he championship um, teams, and he really was a really good leader and veteran, occasionally playing a few minutes, you know, similar to Udonis Haslam role, a, a coach, a coach, you know, even when he was a player, he was already coaching, and then he transitioned to an assistant coach, you know, worked his way up, so I have a lot of respect for Juwan, really good leader, um, not the, you know, not, you know, he's not you know, a screamer. He's not going to be going crazy, but he's a very uh, well-tempered, 
um, and a student of the game. I think I think Michigan's really lucky to have him, and we're very happy for him. Yeah, agreed. All right, well, Bleacher Fan Faithful, that is all we have for you today. Um, hell of an episode, held it down. Tommy Buns, we'll see you next week. And so are we, the Bleacher Fan Faithful. Uh, follow us all on social medias, at Bleacher Fan, at Bleacher Fan Sports. You'll find us. Have a good week.